John is subbing for me, and I was subbing for John McPeters. Um, but this, we had talked about me bringing this message way back when we were solely focused on prayer. Um, my thanks go out to Kyle, and we have so many talented people. Um, you notice I'm not wearing the headset. I'm kind of Amish. And um, more proof of that, I have my flash drive in my pocket, and we looked for the presentation, and it wasn't there because I saved it to my laptop, thinking that it just automatically go onto my flash drive, and then I could just bring it here. Um, needless to say, I still favor the phone on the wall instead of the phone in the pocket, uh, because there's time I like to get away from people who would call me. I cry out. Mm. We don't talk about crying out much. In fact, I think we're culturally conditioned not to. Not to draw attention to ourselves. Not to stand out. pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, and I've been told that a few times. But we are encouraged to in Scripture. And in more places than what I would have thought of. We have many teachers here, and you've seen this. We have those that work in schools. Lisa has seen this as a school nurse. And I'm not talking about our exceptional ed children. But my fellow teachers have shared with me and I've shared with them our children are in crisis. We have children who are, quote unquote, melting down every day. Whose anxiety and unsettledness keeps them from functioning even as children, let alone as students. We have students at my school, and I'm sure it's all over, who are still missing school because they're troubled to such a point that they can't even bring themselves to get ready for school. COVID has hit this country harder than what we would like to believe. Our most vulnerable, our most vulnerable are hurting. We as adults are hurting. Something's changed in our society. We are polarized. We are opinionated. 
we have less tolerance for one another. Our country is in despair. We recognize it, but we have a hard time addressing it. There are those in our society still who hurt and suffer, who struggle. The everyday habits of life come hard. The trouble that is faced is nothing what our daily troubles are like. Many in our country today are in survival mode. There are those here among us today who grieve daily, who have come to the point and say, you know, I, I just can't worry about this everyday task. My heart is burdened. I can't deal with this right now. Some of us have lost loved ones recently. Some of us have struggled with health, with medical news, with pain. And we're not talking about the everyday pains of getting old, like me. To where I get up, I walk in the room looking for my glasses and I'm wearing them. We've been there. There are those that are close to us who are struggling financially, who don't know what they're going to do next. This psalm speaks about an experience of God's people who have suffered loss, who are concerned about their identity. They had their lives taken from them, and yet they lived. As we look at Psalm 107, and we will be reading it soon. Kyle, next slide. We're going to look at who is crying out. And we are going to look at the psalmist's charge. And so we're looking at a people who have returned from exile, from Babylon. They endured 70 years of hardship, being away from home. They've endured cruelty, a sense of being lost. The center of 
their existence as a people of God was destroyed. The temple. And so what this psalm looks like, it's framed verses 1 and 43. First verse 1, give thanks to Yahweh for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of Yahweh say this. And then to verse 43. Whoever is wise, let them heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord, of Yahweh, our covenant God. Let the redeemed, these are the people, these are us, the people that God has purchased for himself. But the fact that they are redeemed tells us, as God, as, as John reminded us, God has bought us back. He was the substitute for us. He bore our suffering. And so we are challenged to consider the great love of God. Crying out is hard. Like I said, we're not conditioned for this. Uh, our relative ease of life in this country makes that hard. It seems that our pain and our hurt is just wrapped up with all this comfort and convenience and ease of life. It makes it hard for us just to, to let go and cry out. And again, our society discourages it. So let's look at the charge. Consider the great love of Yahweh as the psalmist prescription for hardship and suffering. When we're hurting beyond the point of just a disappointment. When life at times seems unbearable. Next slide, Kyle. The case is made. Then let us cry out. They cried out to Yahweh appears four times in this psalm. And after each cry, God's deliverance is declared for them. And so the psalmist is saying, look at your history. Look at your great loving father, your covenant God. Okay. Let's look at who's crying out. Starting in verse 4, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty 
and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to Yahweh in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to Yahweh for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good. Homeless. Hungry. The captives, those taken away from their home, from their temple, from their very identity, struggling, crying out. They're reminded, look at the unfailing love of God. They feel beaten down. They feel despair. Hosea, years before, describes the sinfulness of Israel and the wandering that they would experience. But the unfailing love of God is, is, is also declared to his people. He says, how can I give you up, O Israel? How can I give you up? It is I who taught you how to walk. And even though by your sinfulness you have experienced this despair and this trouble, those who I would call not my people, I call my people. I've redeemed you. And these people he has redeemed. Those who are lost, wandering, homeless, hungry, and thirsty. Verse 10. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom. Prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. You read through scripture you see how God wants his people to live. And because of their own choices and their own foolishness, they suffer. They're imprisoned. And some remain rebellious and curse God. Some would say, well, they made a choice. We should move on. We should look for those who are trying to do what is right. So he subjected them to bitter labor, and they stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to Yahweh in their trouble. And God turned his back, said, you made your choice. No. 
Then they cried out to Yahweh in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to Yahweh for his what? We could easily say love, but his unfailing love. And his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Wow. Verse 17. Some became fools through the rebellious ways. And suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all foods. And drew near the gates of death. Let them have their own way. That's the path they want. And God's to know. Then they cried to Yahweh in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to Yahweh for what? His unfailing love. Let them sacrifice thanks offering and tell of his works with songs of joys. Verse 20 describes those who are in peril. And you get this imagery in the Mediterranean Sea of a storm brewing, a dangerous storm. The waves are tossing ships about. Others went out on the sea in their ships, and there were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of Yahweh, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the high, lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. But even these at sea not only looked at nature itself as God's marvelous ways, but even the storm revealed his might, his wonderful works. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to Yahweh in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. And again, let them give thanks to Yahweh for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. So in four places, this must not have been a Church of Christ psalmist. Megan reminded us three points. We have four the people of God. 
the homeless, the hungry, the lawbreakers, those who will not follow good counsel and do what is right, the foolish who suffer from their own doing and end up in prison, those in peril. All four cry out to God. All four are delivered. All four are encouraged. And I don't even think that is a strong enough word to give thanks to God for what? His unfailing love. The psalmist wants us to know that when life goes wrong, when life takes a left turn, when we are at our wits with sorrow, when we don't know what to say, We need to break out of this normalcy of not letting our feelings be known. And we are given permission. We are encouraged. We, I dare say, even instructed to cry out. And this isn't just simply the words here are not simply, God, please help me. This is from a place of deep sorrow, a place of hurt, a place where we don't want to be, and we are to shout, we are to to let loose an appeal to not just God, but our covenant Father who loves us, and his love is unfailing. When we are hurting, it is not wrong. They're the emotions that God has given us. But we're not just to stay there. God tells us, look at my mighty deeds. And I would challenge us that he would say here, to you and I, if we were putting ourselves in Psalm 107, to say, look in your life and where I've been with you. Next slide. Our takeaways. In our times of grief and pain, heartbreak and trouble, when we cry out, we acknowledge our dependency on God. And again, this is where we are fighting our human nature who want to be in control, to want to find a solution, to want to be able to do something. 
And we know that we are frustrated when someone is hurting and we don't have the words to say. That is okay. We are not in control. John King made a wonderful observation many years ago. Job suffered greatly. Loss of wealth. Loss of home. Loss of family. He was physically afflicted. His friends came to visit him and for a week they sat still. And that was the wisest thing they could do. It's when they opened up their mouths they got in trouble. And they were of not they were not of any help. We must surrender. We are dependent upon God. And musical artist Phil Wickham has written a book on prayer recently. And not only is God there and near with us, when we come to the other side, after we've been on our knees, after we cry out and continue to cry out, as we partner with God through this sorrow, for he is ever near. When we reach the other side, we are on sacred ground. For God is there before the trouble even started. And his unfailing love says he will continue to be there. But, but I've sinned. I've, I've rebelled. You can't out-sin God's grace and mercy and love. You cannot. You say, well, I'm over here. I'm hurting. You go here and God's still there. He is ever-present. We take comfort knowing that our Heavenly Father hears us and our cry out. And we are asked in this psalm and throughout scripture to consider his faithfulness, his unfailing love. Are we not told by Paul in Romans that we are sons of God? And as sons of God, we have his spirit. And his spirit calls out, Abba, Father, dear God. And even when we are hurting so bad, and there's no words for it, and we as friends who gather around have no words for it, we are promised that the Spirit speaks, and the word there is the same. He cries out. Not, oh, he'll talk to God for us. He'll speak. No, it says he will cry out out to the Father. He is ever near. We have a God who hears us. 
God's love is described as unfailing, enduring forever. We partner with him when we cry out. And we experience God's deliverance. Our Father will and has delivered us. We may not foresee what this deliverance will look like. It may totally surprise us. But as sons of the living, loving Father, He has already delivered us. Even in our worst times, even in our hardest times, he hears us, he's there for us, and he will deliver us. And these are things that assure us in those times of hurt and pain, of sorrow and grief, in anger at what's happening in the world, what's happening in our family. And so, as one of the biggest takeaways, how do we respond to those who are suffering and grieving and hurting, especially in this church family? And I sincerely believe that, that Satan looks for these opportunities to find his way in. The enemy will not let an opportunity go by. We, in obedience, have been reaching out to those who are marginalized in this community. And Satan is mad. The enemy will respond. And I believe he has been. And so as the people of God, if you will look again, once again, at the list of who is crying out in this psalm, it is very familiar. Look at Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 5, or 25, verse 31 and following. Those who are hungry, those who are oppressed. Those who are in prison. And in the story that is told of separating the sheep and the goats. Oh, an English teacher is going to get me there. Sheep with an S on it. <sighs> That's why I teach math and science. Jesus said, you did not feed me when I was hungry or give me drink when I was thirsty. You did not visit me in prison. But when, Lord, when did we see you? When you do these things to the least of these, you do it for me. And so we must not only, whether we are the grieved or 
those that are around us are grieved, we must give thanks. We will give thanks. That's the psalmist's call. When you are in this place and you cry out to God, do not forget to give him thanks. Fitbit had a commercial on this weekend, and I was just, oh, man. Fitbit will transform the way we live. Yeah. Transform. I think we see that in Romans chapter 8. Do not conform yourselves to the ways of this world, but be transformed. Even in our grief, we are called to exalt the Father and give him thanks. And we are called, I believe it is inferred here, we are called to live out what God has done for us in the lives of those around us here and in our community. God has a heart for those who are suffering and hurting. We have a community right here nearby whose children are suffering this great anxiety. Whose families are broken and under attack. We cannot stop reaching out. We must have the heart of the Father to our marginalized community members. And in that way, we are witness to God's deliverance of us. We are witnesses to God's unfaithful love towards us. We are called to live out what he has done for us in the lives of others. Cry out. And cry out for those who are hurting. Cry out for those in our community whose lives are shattered. This time I'd like to ask the shepherds, if they would, to make themselves available in the community. Right here, somewhere in, in this place. And if you just want to stay where you're at or if you want to go to a, a, a place up front, in the back. If you need to cry out, we are here for you. We are your family. Father, we thank you for being a God of unfailing love. And we just ask that you will bring your healing in whatever way that looks. Father, we know there are people right here, right now, who are bearing news and circumstances that we, we don't have the words for. In 
embolden them in faith to cry out to you, to ignore what this world says. Embolden us to reach out to one another, to build each other up. We thank you for Jesus who did this for us. And I pray, Father, we will be emboldened to be witnesses to our own deliverance each and every day. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.